Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Is it worth it? The Film Review Podcast presents Road to the Oscars. Join me, David Long, on this journey as we talk all things Oscars before the big event, the 93rd Academy Awards, on Sunday the 25th of April 2021. So sit back, relax and enjoy Roads to the Oscars. Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 6 of Is It Worth It presents Roads to the Oscars. My name is David Long and I am your host. Thank you for joining me on this journey as we have counted down the days to the 93rd Academy Awards, which took place on the 25th of April 2021 in sunny Los Angeles, US of A. If you love film and especially if you love award season, then you, my friend, are in the right place. So it's happened. It's finally happened after the longest award season in history we finally know our winners and the analysis of what happened and why can begin in an award season like no other history was in fact made chloe zhao became the first woman of color and second woman ever to win best director sir anthony hopkins became the oldest winner of best actor at age 83 Daniel Kaluuya became the first black British actor to win an Oscar. We also had the first ever black winners of the Best Makeup and Hairstyling Award for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, that's right. The first ever and about time too. And finally, Yoo Jung Yoon from South Korea won Best Supporting Actress. It truly was an Oscars like no other. A different location, a different vibe, a different running order, and also, well, a very, very different ending. So, sit back, relax, get comfy, and enjoy Road to the Oscars. End of the road. So, it gives me huge pleasure to introduce my sixth guest on this Road to the Oscars series. It's writer, critic and film enthusiast Amy Smith. Amy, thank you so much for coming on Road to the Oscars, End of the Road. Thank you for having me on. I feel like this is going to be quite the discussion. I think you're absolutely right. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, So, Amy, before we dive into this award season and ultimately analyse the winners and losers of the 93rd Academy Awards, please tell our lovely listeners a little bit about yourself. What is it that you do? And secondly, why do you love the Oscars so much? Yeah, so I am a film critic. I have my own website, which is Film for Thought. And recently, over the past two years or so my content kind of started gearing towards these Oscars and I wonder if it was maybe because of the podcast I was listening to Mm. if it was just me trying to look for different films to watch and review and I saw that's a good basis but yeah past few years I've been really heavily into predicting the Oscars looking at all the precursors Mm. potentially looking into doing my dissertation next year on the Oscars or something Oscar related so um yeah, it's a one it's a one day of year I stay up till five AM to watch because I just love <laughs> I love it so much. It's my Super Bowl and yeah, it's it's something that's developed over the past few years, but I'm very excited to be able to even explore the past seasons that I didn't get to really appreciate. Yeah, that's fantastic. And please tell our dear listener where they can find all your work and where they can follow you on social media. Yeah, so all my work can be found on filmforthought.co.uk. There's a link there to my podcast as well, Film for Thought. I do work for other publications, but you'll kind of find all that on my Twitter, which is at Films of Amy, and my Instagram is also at Films of Amy. Fantastic. That's great. And please do make sure you follow all Amy's work and her socials. The content she puts out is superb. And I follow her on Twitter. She's a great follower on Twitter. So I think the pleasantries are out of the way. Let's crack on with the main body of the show and analyse these Oscar results. You up for that? Absolutely. Let's do it. Um, 
where do I start other than saying, wow, just, just wow, where, where do I begin? I've thought long and hard about how to analyse these awards and in what order to do that analysis in. But I think before we dive into the winners and losers, we have to address the elephant in the room. What in the name of all things holy was that ending about? I mean, seriously, what an absolute disaster. And for those of you who aren't aware of what I'm talking about, I am, of course, referring to the decision to change the running order of the awards show, meaning we didn't end with Best Picture. That came third to last, but we actually ended with Best Actor. Presumably this was done um, in the hope that Chadwick Boseman would win and would be honoured, leading to a memorable and emotional ending. What it led to was car crash television of the highest order. And before I unleash my views, Amy, two questions. What did you make of the overall presentation of the show? And secondly, what did you make of that ending? Yeah, so overall, I actually really liked the presentation. Like, right at the start, you have that opening credit scene with Regina King, which is stunning. And I didn't mind missing Eclipse too much for a few of the presentations. I feel like missing Eclipse for all of them was a bit... Mm. It kind of lost me for things like cinematography, things that really required the clips to kind of bring the sort of film to life. And I was going well with my predictions, and then the final third happened. <laughs> and everything from the in memoriam, which yep. we will get to later, but I have a lot to say about that. It just goes downhill so quickly. And this is the sort of thing where I told my friends who don't watch the Oscars about it, and they were like, what the hell? That sounds so awkward. Why would mm. they even think that is a good idea? Yeah. And yeah, the ending completely ruined any opinion I had on the show beforehand. This was something I was hoping to be able to celebrate, something I'd be able to talk about, something I'd be like, okay, let's look forward to next year. It gave me burnout for two weeks because I was like, I don't want to even think about the Academy right now. Mm. So I end up having to take a break and that is why I'm going to have a lot to say on this podcast because I've basically not spoken about it since it showed. Yeah, it's, it's one of the reasons that a lot of podcasts that I listen to, uh, for example, big shout out to Mike, Mike and Oscar. They did a really quick um, reaction episode, brilliant episode. Make sure you download that. I've, I've like you, I've had to take a step back. I was, I was flabbergasted beyond measure. Like I do a podcast. I'm quite a talkative bloke. Um, most people who know me will know that it's very difficult for me to get to, to shut me up. Like I was, I was beyond speechless when this happened. Like, and regular listeners of the podcast will know that I like a bet and I like betting on the Oscars. But for me, there's certain things you don't gamble on. And this is something you do not gamble on. You do not risk such a colossal foul up. Because the first thing I want to say, this wasn't, this wasn't Sir Anthony Hopkins' fault. Like he he gave a incredible performance in The Father, an Oscar-worthy performance, an Oscar-winning performance, and nothing should take away from him. But we will talk more about it later when we get on to, to Best Actor and the In Memoriam. But there was a way of honouring Chadwick Boseman, and this was not the way to do it. And secondly, what I wanted to say on 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 this was Chadwick Boseman doesn't need an Oscar for us to remember him for being the great man that he was and everything he did off the screen was some incredible stories and the great actor he was. He doesn't need an Oscar. An Oscar would have been nice, but that Oscar shouldn't have been put to the last um, award of the night because, as we know, upsets can happen and Anthony Hopkins caused a bit of an upset winning that award. But we will get onto that a bit later. Um, we could talk about this in some depth However, I think it's best to move on um, and let's tackle this award show in its running order and analyse all these winners in their glory. So the show started in a somewhat strange fashion with the two screenplay categories. Regina King presented the awards for Best Original Screenplay and Best Adapted Screenplay. And the winners were Original Screenplay went to Promising Young Woman, um, you would say as expected, and Adapted caused... I predicted it. I'm not boasting, um, but I, I predicted it. Um, it sounds like I'm boasting. The the adapted went to the father. Um, Amy, what was your thoughts, firstly, on the screenplays of those two films? And secondly, 
was this how you predicted it? Was this a shock to you? What were your overall thoughts to the start of that show? No, I predicted both of these as well. And I think they're both worthy winners. Promising Young Woman is one of my top two favourite films of basically that year of the competing films. I really love it. And if you have a look at original screenplay, they do like to reward the most original screenplay. You can see from Parasite, you can mm. see from Get Out winning original screenplay. They like to reward these original ideas from these fresh new faces. And yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy for it. Same with The Father. I feel like when we look at adapted screenplay, we look at level difficulty, and that is a really difficult screenplay to pull yes. off the way that they did. And Nomadland, whilst it's really strong, it doesn't feel like a traditional screenplay. It feels like it's more organic, more documentary style, more mm. focusing on the performances and what is visually on screen. So, no, I kind of just took that, and that's where I kind of got my prediction for The Father, which I feel like several people also lean towards, but no, incredibly happy for both of these wins. Yeah, it's 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 interesting what you say there about Promising Young Woman. I I need to rewatch Promising Young Woman. The first time I sort of loved it and I sort of hated it at the same time. Um, it's a it's a bizarre film. It's available now on on Sky. Um, mm -hmm. When cinemas reopen, if it's in the cinema, go and see it. What you said though is it is an original screenplay. Like that is just very original and unique. And then the father. Um, Actually, a lot of people switched from Nomadland to The Father um, quite late. And if you follow the betting lines, if you follow the betting, The Father actually, its price really contracted. Like there was a lot of money for that um, um, adapted screenplay suggesting that The Father was going to win. So whilst it may have seemed as a bit of a surprise, if you follow the betting, The Father actually, its price did come down dramatically. And when The Father won, um, I thought that was the first sign of weakness for for Nomadland and I, I did have concerns then or, or I, I was never in the Nomadland best picture camp. So once it lost adapted, I did think, oh, is this a sign of, of weakness? And um, but there you have it folks. Those were the two winners for original and adapted Promising Young Woman and the Father. We then moved on to Laura Dern who presented the awards for Best International Feature Film and Best Supporting Actor. Uh, I know Amy will have a lot to say about this. Um, the winners were Best International Feature Film, Another Round, and Best Supporting Actor, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, I'm going to chuck this straight over to you Amy what are your thoughts on these two winners I feel like this section is just made for me because Another Round <laughs> is my favorite film of the entire festival season I am in love with this film and as much as I love Collective and Quavada Saida as well I think they're both incredibly powerful mm. yeah Vinterberg's speech just did so much to me and I kind of knew Daniel Kaluuya was winning Best Supporting Actor from the trailer. He should have won for Get Out, and I've been mm. waiting for something to give him a win. So as soon as I saw he was sweeping, that was it. I was so happy that I was going to be able to say Oscar winner Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, I regular listeners of the show will know that I was very, very hot on Judas and the Black Messiah for Best Picture. Um, and one of the reasons I thought it was a Best Picture contender was... That trailer, like, if trailers could win Oscars, that mm -hmm. trailer, when I saw that trailer, I thought, Daniel Kaluuya, you are and you are going to be in an awards race this season. And like you said, he swept, and rightly so. He won everything from SAG to Critics' Choice to BAFTA to The Globe and ultimately the Oscar. Um, and, yeah, I think um, another round as well. What did you make of um of this 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 another round remake did you have any thoughts on that because that that came out really like almost too soon after the oscars i felt i mean happened a parasite last year didn't it uh basically soon after they announced the parasite sort of remake yeah yeah it's 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 strange and apparently it could feature um leonardo dicaprio yeah um, a, a remake of of another round but Another round was a, a, deserving, a deserving winner. Um, I believe it won BAFTA as well. Um, and my thoughts on Kaluuya, one of the perform Like, people will say, would this have won? Would this have been nominated in another season? Like, people, Oscars pundits love saying, would this have been nominated in another season? My answer is, this would have won in pretty much any season. Um, Agreed. In, 
in in my opinion. That's only my opinion. Um, but I was delighted to see Daniel Kaluuya win. And like you said, he's actually the first black British actor to win an Oscar. Um, really, really, really well deserved. Um, so there you have it. Best international feature film, another round. And best supporting actor, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, we then had Don Cheadle come out and present awards for best makeup and hairstyling and best costume design. Um, both of these went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, as many, many people predicted. They were favourite in both of those categories. Uh, everything from the precursors to the betting suggested they were going to win in these categories. What are your thoughts on these categories? Expected wins, deserved wins? How did you view the makeup and the hairstyling and the costume? in Ma Rainey. Yeah, so I'm glad the film did walk away with two wins and yeah. it was expected. I don't think these should have been the two wins though because I think there was a better option for both makeup and hairstyling with Pinocchio and for costume design with Emma and it just seems like both of those films got unfairly pushed to the side just because they were either low nominees or like films that they just didn't even bother to check out but you just yes. need to look at a still from Pinocchio and go Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I was I, I, the the general consensus is that a lot of the academy didn't see Pinocchio. Mm. Um and the the sort of the 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 rumors the the chat on again if you follow a lot of award season critics pundits they talk to the voters afterwards. A lot of them said along the lines of oh the the makeup in Pinocchio is supposed to be incredible, but I can't vote for Pinocchio because I haven't seen it. Um I thought Emma had an I actually put Emma on my ballot um for costume. Um it's a period piece. I, I shouldn't have done that because everything suggested that Ma Rainey was gonna win. But me being me and me being the gambler, I thought I'm gonna be I'm gonna play devil's advocate and I'm gonna put Emma on my ballot. But Ma Rainey took home um two Oscars and like you said it's strange that Marini went home with these two because at this point I was thinking, well, on my ballot I had um, Viola Davis and on my ballot I also had Chadwick Boseman. So I was thinking, can Marini go home with four Oscars without a Best Picture nomination? And that's where I started to, to worry about Viola Davis and ultimately Chadwick Boseman. Um but moving on, um, the next award was Brian Cranston then presented the Gene Hersholt Humanitarian Award to the Motion Picture and Television Fund. Did you did you have any thoughts here? This is I'll be honest. This was one of the moments of the show where I slightly slightly switched off a little bit. Yeah, I just found it weird. But I kind of firstly thought, wait, are they giving an Oscar to themselves? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, are they doing that? But. Yeah, I think it was nice enough. Nice to see Brian Cranston going about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the next the next moment on this on this crazy Oscars awards night was was pretty cool. We had Bong Joon Ho and Sharon Choi present the award for best director, and I've got to say that I was a like Parasite blew me away. Parasite, I haven't done a lot of people do like these top ten. Oscar winners of all time, but Parasite would be up there for me. Were you a, were you a big fan of Parasite? I, the ending kind of knocks it a very small amount, but aside from that, it's near perfection. I yeah. love it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Parasite is absolutely fantastic. So Bong Joon Ho um, came out to present the award for best director, um, and best director went to Chloe Zhao. Um, we expected this. Look, she literally swept all season. Every precursor you can name, from the small award shows to the bigger wig, big wig shows, big award shows she won. What did you make of of Chloe Zhao's direction in Nomadland? Um, and do you think this was a deserved win? Do you think she was the best director of the year? Oh, absolutely. Um, that film is a feat of a film if you do not direct it right. It could be slow, yeah. it could be boring, it could be almost unwatchable. And it's nearly two hours long and she makes it so entertaining. Mm. And one thing I do want to point out here, uh, you're from the UK as well, so you might have seen this. You know when they do the predictions like through the sort of trailers that America gets? Yes. And they say, oh, next up's best director. I was like, wait. We're not even an hour in. What do you mean next up is best director? Yes. Yeah, it and was, I think it, that that was the first sign to me that we're like, okay, they're messing about with this and mm. I don't know how to feel. And I started hearing rumblings that they were going to be doing what they did at the end. 
Yeah, I, I, it's funny you should say that because I saw a tweet saying, um, by the way, guys, best picture is going to be third to last. Mm-hmm. And I was like, lol. Um, yeah, I this thought is, it was a joke. Yeah, I thought this is a troll. This is this is like a click. This is clickbait. This is someone that wants lots of retweets and follows. I'm not going to honour them. And then, yeah, like you said, they the, the order was crazy. Um, but you made some great points there. I mean... Nomadland, uh, I've had a lot of mates, well, two mates, uh, including regular listener of the show, Paul Newbegin, message me and say they found the film quite slow. And I think for people that aren't film geeks like us, I think it is a slow film, Mm -hmm. but you're absolutely spot on. This film could have been, without the right direction, it could have been really bad. Like it had the potential without a good screenplay, without good performances and without a good direction. It could have just got completely lost. I don't th- it's not my favorite film of the year. It's certainly not going to be one of my favorite best picture winners. Um, but the, if, if, if I was to award one Oscar to that film and it could only be one Oscar, it would be for director. I think Chloe Zhao did a great job um, uh, di- directing. Um, and after that sort of, speech from Bong Joon-ho, we then had Riz Ahmed um, come out and present the awards for Best Sound and Best Live Action Short Film. Um, I've got to be honest, I was I don't know if you felt the same way, I was somewhat surprised that they had Riz Ahmed present for sound. When They've it was... done it before. They did oh, have it, they? They did it for when Baby Driver was up for one of the sound awards. They had Ansel Elgort and I think it was Lily James as well come out to do, and obviously baby driver didn't even win which felt yeah. even more awkward it was a cute moment but it felt like once again they were trying to predict what was going to mm. happen yeah and whilst it, it was cute and whilst it was probably the safest category to do so you still shouldn't do it no i i i don't i think there's something odd about presenting an oscar fundamentally he didn't present it to himself because he is obviously not the sound designer on the movie but it was like and the award for sound goes to my film, Sound of Metal, mm-hmm. uh, and they were the winners. So the winners for Best Sound was Sound of Metal, uh, and the winner for Best Live Action Short was Two Distant Strangers. Um, firstly, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Sound of Metal winning Best Sound, um, because for me, the sound I've only watched it once, and I've only watched it at home, so I haven't seen it in the cinema yet. I really want to see it in the cinema I thought the sound design in Sound of Metal was astonishingly good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with me on that point. I completely agree. And it is meant to be coming to UK cinemas from May 17th, so keep your eye on that because mm. I do want to experience that as well. But no, I've seen it twice now and there is a lot to admire about the sound. It might be the best use of sound design in the past few decades. Yes, um, I couldn't agree more. I think there's not been a film that's been more impactful from a sound perspective than Sound of Metal. Like, just the way they use sound and don't use sound in that film is incredible. And then we were on to Best Live Action Short Film. Now, for us Oscars pundits and us geeks, a lot of us can predict some of the bigger categories and our ballots do come down to these to these shorts. Um, mm-hmm. I know from following you on Twitter, you've, you've seen everything. What did yes. you make of Two Distant Strangers? And it wasn't it was a it wasn't the betting favourite. I think it was second favourite. So it was a bit of a surprise. Um just love to know your thoughts on on Two Distant Strangers and its win. Yeah, I had it predicted, but it was down to the fact that it was a talking point, down to the fact that it was talking about something very relevant to the past mm. year. And also it was accessible. It was on Netflix. It was like coming up at the top when you came on Netflix, so people were able to check it out. I did really enjoy it from my one watch that I've had, but that was before I really heard any of the controversy surrounding it. And Mm. also, it's not me to really comment on this story. It's not me to really say whether it was a good or bad representation of it. And I'm definitely open to listening to criticisms and watching videos and seeing why people didn't connect with it and seeing what the issues actually are. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Two Distant Strangers, as Amy says, is available on Netflix. It's now an Oscar winner. I would check that out. The next um, person to come out and present um, was Reese Witherspoon. I love Reese Witherspoon. Um, I think she's a tremendous actress. I think she's a, f- a really good, fun uh, human being as well. Um, just want to plug Walk the Line. I thought that film was 
just incredible and Reese Witherspoon in it is great. Don't know why I've gone down that tangent, but hey, walk the line. Why not watch it? Um, Reese Witherspoon presented the awards for best animated short and best animated feature. Um, in my opinion, this. So who were the winners? Well, the winners were best animated short film went to If Anything Happens, I Love You, and best animated feature film of course, went to Seoul. Um, I predicted both of these correctly. Um, I thought If Anything Happens, I Love You was, I've said this on the show, was a really powerful short, a really important short. I think particularly Americans should watch it. And then Seoul was just going to win. Um, so it was as I, as I expected, as I predicted and as I wanted. Was it the same for you? Absolutely the same for me. Yeah, if cool. anything happens, I love you. Blew me away when I saw it. Quite a few months ago when I kind of went, right, that's your winner. Let's not even bother releasing anything else. <laughs> it, has Laura, it has Laura Dern backing it. Like, how can you yeah. deny that? Yeah. And the whole thing with Soul versus Wolfwalkers is, I understand if you wanted to support Wolfwalkers. It is a wonderful film made by a wonderful team of people. But you don't need to bash one of the best Pixar movies we've had in a long, long time. One of black representation. One that is really... The only thing I would criticise is that they didn't give Kemp Powers a producer role so he couldn't actually claim an Oscar for it. They've done it with Coco in the past. They They want to seem to force representation in terms of our directors, but they won't give him the producer credit. And I think it's a real shame because Kent Powers should have an Oscar by now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Were you um, Were you in the sole Best Picture camp? I can't remember. Were you... I was, yeah. It's yeah. one of my top five favourite films of the year. I loved it. Yeah, look, I think for all the reasons that Amy has outlined, Soul is a worthy winner in that category. Um, I was asked recently on a... Um, an event that both me and Amy did with Max Joseph on YouTube. You should definitely check that out. Um, what two films I wish had been nominated. Um, one of them, I think I said, was Soul. Um, I said Soul as well. Yeah, and I also said Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I also said Malcolm and Marie. I said I would somehow weave that into this episode. Um, briefly, are you, you're a fan of Malcolm and Marie as well? one of my top three films of the year so far i loved it and i i do understand where people take the criticism but it's almost like you're taking a movie about criticism and you're highlighting criticism yeah yeah it's like the whole idea is that he's not meant to take it well yes i couldn't agree more it's starring john david washington zendaya i believe it's still on netflix it'll um, be yeah yeah it's, it's, it'll still be there um watch that movie uh, i had to get it in me and amy had a bit of a laugh before the show about getting this in so i've managed to do that um next up we had marley matlin and jack jason present the awards for best documentary short subject and best documentary feature i've had an absolute blast this season watching some of these documentaries um for the first sort of time Normally, going back a couple of years, I've always been a big Oscars guy. Ever since I was very, very small, I loved the Oscars. But when it came to documentary or documentary short, I was like, oh, I haven't seen any of these. But this year I had. And who were the winners? Well, best documentary short subject went to Colette and best documentary feature went to My Octopus Teacher. Now, the first thing I would say about this is from a betting perspective, Colette was a major upset. Um, it was 20 to 1. It was one of the rank outsizers. So did 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 Colette, what did you think of Colette and did, did its win surprise you? Yeah, it surpri- this was the first one that I missed from my ballot, actually. Yeah. Um, I think it will be the same for a lot of people. That's when their ballot would have broken. But I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed four out of five documentary short subjects this year. So this was a very strong year for documentary shorts. And mm. this was a really powerful one. It is a stat that like if there is a holocaust related movie you should bet on it because apparently they do like the subject of the holocaust in documentary shorts so that's something to look out for in the future but Mm. very very strong short that's for sure yes yeah i couldn't agree with that more um and and then yeah best documentary feature went to a documentary that i encourage you dear listener to seek out it's very very easy it's on netflix it's called my octopus teacher and it's 
fundamentally a very brief synopsis about a man who follows and creates this incredible relationship with a lovely little female octopus. Um, the cinematography in it is gorgeous. The sound design is great. The way you're immersed into the water. Um, the octopus started its journey by winning the PGA um, for for best documentary. And this was a strong, strong year for the documentary feature. Um Dick Johnson is dead, didn't even make it in. Um, I haven't got the nominees in front of me, but Crip Camper Disability Revolution, I thought in another year that could have won. Um, what was your analysis of documentary feature? Uh, and what did you think of the octopus taking home that coveted golden statue? Yeah, so as you said, the craft of my octopus teacher is immaculate. Mm. That score alone should be nominated. It's yes. incredible. However, you do look at this year and you think, well, Boise and Dick Johnson's Dead didn't even get nominated. Collective got two nominations and it is really strong. And you're right, Crip Camp is incredible. My Octopus Teacher was my least favourite documentary out of that lineup. Oh, wow. And I was like, in a year where we've had so much going on and we've had so much to say, this is what wins as a documentary? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It, it it was a weird journey. I did predict it obviously because it won mm. BAFTA, PGA, and after that, nothing's really going to take it on. But it was also incredible to see how organic this was. This wasn't something that was majorly pushed. This wasn't something you no. saw on variety covers for months on end trying to get in. It just snuck its way in, and word of mouth from the general public seems to be what got it to that final hurdle. Yeah, and I remember following. Um the Producers Guild of America Awards on Twitter. Um, we can't get them live in the UK. And I remember the octopus winning and thinking, wow, like that's now the Oscar frontrunner. It went on to win BAFTA, as you said, and it just gained that momentum. But but it was very organic. It didn't really have much of a campaign behind it. And I think word of mouth is what got it over the line, like you said. And dear listener, watch it. Um, my Octopus Teacher is, I mean, this show is called Is It Worth It? I'll let you know now. Uh, my Octopus Teacher is definitely worth it. Um we then moved on to Best Visual Effects. Uh, Stephen Yuen presented the award for Best Visual Effects. Um, and it went to Tenet. Um, before I ask your thoughts, I'm glad Tenet won this. Um, I, I watched Tenet five times. <laughs> um, I watched it in the IMAX first time, and then I watched it again and again it was during obviously during the pandemic but it was when cinemas were open and you had to wear masks and social distance hand sanitizers etc but cinemas were open i was blown away by tenet i thought um you know i love christopher nolan but the visual effects they blew up a building they reversed it they blew it up again like the visual effects were incredible in my opinion what did you make of tenet overall and what did you think of the visual effects and was this on your ballot uh yes this was on my ballot and I also really enjoy Tenet. It's the sort yeah. of movie where you just have to go in and just have a good time. Mm. For months, we had no cinema. It's like, all I want to see is something getting blown up on the big screen. And, <laughs> and it's, it's honestly really, really strong. And aside from maybe Love and Monsters, which has some really unique and fun visual effects with yeah. its monsters, um, it's nice to see visual effects actually going to sort of CGI style of visual effects rather than just purely oscar sort of slight like the mm. sort of mank you would expect to win or 1917 it's nice to see them award something really large scale like this yeah yeah couldn't agree more um visual effects i'm i'm, look, I'm glad tenant got it's got its oscar um i think they said it was going to be the film to save cinema i'm not sure anything could have saved cinema in the nature of the pandemic but i do encourage you listener to to get back to the cinemas when they reopen um up next in the awards show we had for me one of the moments of the night um which was when brad pitt presented the award for best supporting actress um the winner was yu jung yu now for minari um and I hope I said her name right. One of the jokes she made in her speech was that nobody says her name right. Um, she also made a joke about um, how could Glenn, how could I win over Glenn Close, um, how attractive Brad Pitt was. I thought her speech was tremendous. What did you make of the speech? What did you make of the win? What did you think of, of those two things? Yeah, so even 
Brad Pitt's sort of opening, this was one of the times where I didn't miss Eclipse because his opening and saying, this is the stories that kind of inspired our actors. I really mm. loved that. I think it was a really nice personal touch. But yeah, I think a lot of people thought Yo Shang Yoon was doing that because she loved Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is a producer on Minari, is he not? I will be honest, I don't know, but that would make sense. <laughs> it would make a lot of sense. I believe he's one of the producers or one of those sort of roles. Mm. Um, yeah, best speech of the night by far. And yeah, no Glenn Close once again. It seems like the sort of Olivia Coleman bowing down mm. to Glenn Close saying, how could I win before you? Yeah, I did want to briefly touch upon that. Eight nominations now for Glenn Close. Um I thought she she was she was brilliant on the red carpet. The speeches she the, the interview she gave on the red carpet. She did debut. Um, I never thought Glenn Close would do debut at the Oscars, but she did. Um, I love Glenn Close. Um, I was mortified, and I use that word. I don't, I don't use that word lightly when she lost to Olivia Coleman. Don't get me wrong. Olivia Coleman was brilliant in the favorite, but I thought Glenn Close's performance in the wife was Oscar worthy. Um, I think she's got Sunset Boulevard um, lined up. Um, there's lots of Oscar talk for that already. Look, Glenn Close will win an Oscar. Uh, I actually had her on my ballot. Um, looking back at it, what, interestingly, what did you think of... Um, I forgot the name of the film. Uh, Hillbilly Elegy. That's the one. What did you think of Hillbilly Elegy, just out of interest, while we're on Glenn Close? I didn't hate it as much as most people. Mm. I think there were some redeeming qualities to it. Yes. I think there are some great commentary on the whole the drunk mum who's just trying her best. And I think there's some great commentary within that. And I do think both Amy Adams and Glenn Close do give really strong performances. Mm. I think the issue just comes with the narrative framing yes. and our lead character who's completely annoying and I completely hated every time he was on screen and mm. I could not care less for him. So I think that's where the problem lies. But if you twisted it and you formed a narrative around the mum and the grandma, there could be something sort of compelling there. Yeah, I think we said um, very, very similar things on on the main show. It, look, some people absolutely despised that movie, like adamantly hated it. I'm not one of those people. But I will. I put Glenn Close down because I thought maybe Academy members will just see Glenn Close and that defeat to Olivia Coleman will be in the forefront of their mind. On reflection, it was a stupid pick um, because I don't think anybody wants Glenn Close to be remembered for Hillbilly Elegy. Um, but I I so hope that she has her Oscars moment because she deserves it. Um, but moving on, um, next up we had Halle Berry, who, by the way, just doesn't age, um, present the award for Best Production Design and Best Cinematography. Um, Mank won both. Uh, I was really pleased because I had Mank to win Production Design on my ballot. Mank was the heavy favourite to win Production Design, but it wasn't the favourite to win Cinematography. Nomadland was a short-priced, heavy bookmaker's favourite to win Cinematography, but some of the precursors hinted that um, Mank may take cinematography. What were your thoughts on the production design and the cinematography of Mank? And did you see these wins coming? Uh, cinematography could, like, was hinted at, but I was just like, uh, that's ASA. They like black and white cinematography. They like yeah. their own thing. So I didn't predict it, but I am so glad it won. It was my preference out of that list. Production mm. design, I knew the father wasn't winning it. I would have loved it if it won because the slight details on that production design is stunning. Yeah. But definitely worthy wins for Mank and a moment where I thought wait can Mank actually win best picture now it knocked another of Nomadland's easy wins mm. yeah very very I look I I was a big fan of Mank um I actually think it's some of Oldman's best work um I know he won for um Darkest Hour, Darkest there you hour. Go. My, my, my brain just went blank, um, but I think he was tremendous in this, but the cinematography and the production design in Mank were absolutely gorgeous, um, I was very pleased that they won because I had them on my ballot, um, 
by the way, my ballot was crazy. If you if you haven't listened to it, listen to me and Craig predict the Oscars, particularly now the results have come out. You can just laugh at how wrong we get it. Um, but I went for some very, very ambitious um, picks um, and not all of them paid off. But I did get cinematography for Mank. Um, up next, we had another brilliant moment. Um, Harrison Ford came out to present the award for best film editing. Um this was important. Like this was really, really important. Um, regular listeners of Mike, Mike and Oscar will know that they, these guys will tell you that best editing is a really important award to win for best picture. Like the way a film is put together and edited and the betting and um, the precursors suggested that it was going to be between sound of metal and the trial of the Chicago seven. Um, it went to the sound of metal. What did you make of that? That is a, very different choice and not be usually go for it and yeah. i did go it was split 50 50 in the precursors and mm. i kind of went with ace on this one and i was like right trial is a more traditional editing style it's got the montages it's got the archival footage it's got the quick sort of beat to it i was like okay i'm gonna go trial and i'm gonna stick with it but then there's that sound stat where every edited, like at least in the past few years, if you have an editing win, you also have a sound nomination or win. Mm. Think yeah. Ford v Ferrari, think um, Bohemian Rhapsody. That should have been a sign that, yes, best picture is linked to best film editing, but best sound, more importantly, is now linked to best editing. Yeah, I think uh, it's not a stat that... I was aware of I think you've highlighted something really really important there um, and this was the moment in the night now forgive me I can't remember how many more opportunities the trial of the Chicago 7 had but considering well, it didn't one more but considering it didn't win screenplay and it lost editing I thought oh dear trial is in trouble now mm-hmm. like this is from the early when the father took adapted and I thought Nomadland had a sign of weakness Nomadland was starting to look stronger um it was it was fascinating, and it was honestly the bookmakers couldn't split them, the precursors couldn't split them, but Sound of Metal won best film editing. Um, Viola Davis then presented the Gene Hersholt Humanitarian Award to Tyler Perry. Um, again, I didn't really have many thoughts on this. Did you did you have anything to take from that, or were you like me? Was that a, a chance to get another cup of the dark roast? <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yeah, but. As far as I could tell, it was a really good speech from him. Yes, yes, the speech was 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 great. Um, I did catch that speech, um, and it moved nicely uh, on to Zendaya, um, who was tremendous in Malcolm and Marie. She's been in loads of stuff, and she's been brilliant in all of it. Um, she presented the awards for best original score and best original song. Now, this provided um, a really expected winner. And a really, 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 really unexpected winner. I hope I made that clear. Um, (laughs) The expected winner was Best Original Score. That went to Soul. But there was a big surprise, a 25 to 1. Everyone knows I like a bet. I didn't bet on this, and I'm I'm annoyed because I would have been very rich. A 25 to 1 outsider for Best Original Song, Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah. I was all over Husevic in my predictions like i love that song it's a banger i play it i listen to it at home alone in my flat i'm not gonna lie i think it's great um what did you think of soul winning best original score and what did you think of fight for you winning best original song yep soul had the best score it's as simple as that and i really love that they let john baptiste kind of take the lead in taking the win although if you hear they say the winners are like Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, you're like, is it Mank? Is it Mank? And then they say, and John <laughs> yeah. Baptiste, you're like, okay, there we go. You're just not sure for a second who's actually won. Yes, um, I was in that camp with you, yeah. And then best original song, I had Speak Now because I thought The Power of Leslie Oldham Jr. from Hamilton and they're going to want to award one night in Miami something. And mm. I'm so gutted that they didn't. That is an incredible film that deserved more recognition this year. I think the lesson to learn is don't wear gold on the red carpet. We're going to come to this in Best Actress. Do not wear gold. Glenn Close won gold and she lost to Olivia Colbin. Yeah. It seems that wearing gold at the Oscars is the kiss of death. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought the 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 score in Soul was gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan. Fight for You, Judas and the Black Messiah was. As were four of the other nominees, I believe, were actually post-film. I don't like that. No, um, I'm glad we're in the same boat. That's why I was a fan of Husevik, because yes. not only was it a good song, but it was integral to the film, to the plot. It was one of the moments of the film. Um, as bad as, I mean, I thought Eurovision was a pretty terrible movie, but I thought that was its redeeming feature. Um, mm-hmm. We then moved on to... Um, a sort of a more somber, reflective part of the night. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this because I've heard a lot of people's opinions and it'd be great to hear yours. Angela Bassett presented the In Memoriam tribute. Um, obviously a, a poignant moment. It's it's always good to reflect on the, the great actors, actresses, producers, cinematographers, costume designers, etc. that we've lost in the last year. What did you make of the In Memoriam? Because I've got a few thoughts. Yeah, so beforehand you have a whole segment of the butt and you're like, okay, we're lifting the spirits. And then they drag us straight down to the end of the morning. I was like, mm. that's already weird tonally. The song wasn't horrible, but I don't think they did enough with it. Yeah, And I get the whole thing. A lot of people have died this year, especially because of the pandemic we're currently mm. going through. But it was just speeding along. I was like, I can't even keep up with this. I can hardly look at what they did or see yeah. who they are. I was like, I'd rather them cut out a few people or cut out the segment beforehand completely and have this be longer and be a proper tribute. Because honestly, I found it quite offensive the way they just sped through them. I I couldn't agree more. I thought it was rushed. And that felt insensitive. We're talking, you know, both me and Amy are sort of film geeks and I I couldn't work out who these people were because they were going so quick. So, you know, for your average viewer, they would have had no idea or had no time to to gather their thoughts. It was too quick. And as Amy says, like, you've got all of this time, cut something else out as good as um Glenn Close doing debut was get rid of that if if it if that means sacrifice you know not having a, a good long in memoriam which should have been slower i thought the song choice was pretty horrible i'm not saying it's a bad song i just think the choice of song was was wrong um and then it got it got weirder because we had this rushed in memoriam um, that I don't think anybody liked. I've not seen anyone on film Twitter that's particularly been a fan of it. And then we had Rita Moreno presenting the award for Best Picture. Like, that came straight after. Um, Best Picture went to Nomadland. Nomadland was the 1-6, to six minus 600, heavy-priced bookmaker's favourite. It had won pretty much everything that it could. Admittedly, Trial won, Sag Ensemble, and there was another... Um, precursor that trial one as well, but try Nomadland did as you know brilliantly at the precursors from that golden line all the way through to to BAFTA. Um, what were your thoughts? Obviously, you predicted this. Mm-hmm, of yeah, I um I was an idiot and stuck with Judas and the Black Messiah because I've been <laughs> I've been with it all season. No, I, knew- I think it was closer than you expected with the two. The fact it got best song, I think it was closer than we all expect. Uh, do you know what? When Judas and the Black Messiah won Best Song for Fight For You, my heart hit the floor because I thought, what does this mean? Like, the Academy liked the song. if they liked, And the Academy liked Kaluuya. That's two Oscars. C- could it? Could it? Um, we will never know because the, the Academy, which really annoys me, I don't know if you're in the same boat, I'd love to see the order. I'd love to see who was second, who was mm-hmm. third. Um, I think Kevin Jacobson wants that for and a runner-up is. Yes, yes. And, the, uh, and I think he's going to have to go for, I've, I've been seeing, The Father. It has to be because it got screenplay and an acting. If you like, if you've got a film that has one the best screenplay and you have a film that has the best lead performance, yeah, it's got to be one of the best films, surely. Well, the father was like a rank outsider. I think it was about eighty to one to win best picture. Um, but like you said, once the father won that screenplay and the acting, like the father may well have been very very close. Um, what did you think of? We we know you like Nomadland. What did you think of the speeches? What did you think of Francis McDormand howling like a wolf? Um, and if you want, what did you think of this being third to last? Because 
it should have been last. It should have been last. It should have been mm-hmm. last. Yep, agreed. And I think it would have been a lovely way to end it. Give Cloisha her moment. Mm. Like, it's been building up to all this time. And wonderful speeches from both. I want to give credit to Francis McDormand for actually mentioning cinemas. You would yes. think in this whole year where we've been talking about saving cinemas that the people in the film industry would be wanting to promote that. Mm. And I made a tweet a few days ago saying, Marvel's three-minute trailer did more to promote the cinematic experience than yeah, the I Oscars saw that, yeah. did. And it went, did pretty good stats-wise, I will say. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, like people want them to be celebrating the cinematic experience. This is what it was meant to be. This whole presentation was meant to be, quote-unquote, a movie by Steven Soderbergh. And aside from the opening credits, was it? I didn't get that. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, and look, I think the the awards ceremony should always end with best picture. I think it's the biggest Agreed. award of the night. Um, I understand. I I truly understand why they 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 went down this route because they, in theory, wanted to finish with Chadwick Boseman honouring him. It would have been a great ending moment but it was too risky it was too it was just too big of a gamble you don't gamble with things like that um mm-hmm. as for nomadland winning best picture i don't think nomadland will go down as one of the greats in that in the in the best picture winning category um i need to rewatch it it is on disney plus now um so you dear listener can can seek that out on disney plus and i will watch it in the cinema i will say that when it comes out and it's going to be released in the cinema i will mm-hmm. watch it but Look, it won. It to me, this race was done when Nomadland won the Producers Guild. The Producers mm-hmm. Guild is a hugely important precursor, and it, it it just looks so solid all season. Um, what didn't look solid, and what was one of the craziest categories in modern memory, in my opinion, was Best Actress in a Leading Role. Um, Renee Zellweger presented the award for Best Actress. Um, why do I say that this was a crazy category? Well, from recollection, you had Critics' Choice go to Kerry Mulligan. You had Screen Actors Guild go to Viola Davis. You had BAFTA go to Francis McDormand. And you had the Golden Globe go to Andra Day. That's not the order they were presented in, but that's the order my brain threw them out. Um, so <laughs> everyone bar Vanessa Kirby, who did win some smaller awards, had won one of the major precursors. Who did you have on your ballot and were you pleased with the ultimate winner, which was Francis McDormand? I went with Carrie for my ballot. Oh, okay. And looking back on it, I was like, that's probably stupid, but that's who I went with. And if I had a personal preference i would have gone vanessa kirby i think she gives the performance of the entire year and i think i don't know whether it's because it was a lone nominee whether mm. in fact it was a really tough film to watch if you couldn't even get past the first 20 minutes yes whether it was the shyest stuff whether it's just because it was netflix and they were banking on viola i don't know she should have gotten more praise for this performance but i would have been happy with any of them winning this is how good this lineup was yes. this year and Frances McDormand is an actress that deserves to say three-time winner. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, I'm literally in the same boat as you. We are paddling along in this vessel together. Um, um, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of Woman, that opening 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, some of the most astonishing jaw-dropping cinema Mm -hmm. I've ever seen, let alone this season. Her performance was incredible. I had Viola. Um, I went for Viola on my ballot simply because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I get quite obsessed with stats. And the stats would suggest that the SAG winner has the most... Is the, Of all the precursors, SAG is considered the strongest. It's so probably a good chance for me to ask you, will next season, will people take more note of BAFTA? Because this season, people looked at BAFTA and sort of said, nah, doesn't really matter. But BAFTA got this like really right, didn't they? They really did. And everyone was, including myself, was analysing. It's like, oh, Promising Young Woman won Best British Film and it won Best Original Screenplay. If it was a normal acting voting, would Carrie have won? And it is yeah. a question of if Carrie won, would that have influenced Oscar voters? But maybe Francis was going to win the entire time. We're not sure. But yeah, BAFTA lined up in every single category except for cinematography, yeah, which is it, insane. 
Yeah, um, for us Oscars pundits, for us Oscars geeks, we are going to have to take um, BAFTA more seriously um, next season. Um, so we had, um, I, I mean, we had Frances McDormand give a speech. She seemed a bit, excuse my language, she seemed a bit pissed off. Um, do you think she was annoyed that, not that she won, but do you think she was annoyed that the best picture had come before? Do you think that's why she was upset? I think she was probably upset for Chloe Zhao, who didn't get her true moment. Yes. But also, she's had that big, incredible Oscar-winning speech a few years ago with Three Billboards and the yes. Inclusion Rider. She said exactly what she needed to say in this speech and keep yeah. it short and snappy with the whole, oh, my work is my pen and I say what I say in my work, etc. Yeah. I think that was a wonderful thing to say, but... She did just seem like, I just want to get this over and done with. I want mm. to go and celebrate with the Nomadland crew who just won Best Picture. Why am yeah. I here? Yeah, um, it was, and it, this is not a criticism of um, of Frances McDormand. It was one not of the, it, it was not awkward, but you could tell she was angry and perhaps rightly so. Um, mm. But if you do like awkward, um, well, the, our next presenter is certainly that. Um, love is work. Love him as an actor. Off screen, he's a bit of a strange one. It's Joaquin Phoenix. He came onto the stage looking like he'd just come straight off the set of Joker, wondering if he was going to pull a pistol out. Um, but he presented the award for Best Actor um, in a leading role. And it went to Sir Anthony Hopkins. And there's uh, Matt Neglia posted from Next Best Picture, posted a, a reaction video online. Um, if you don't follow Next Best Picture and Matt Neglia on Twitter, you should do so. Seek this video out. It, you literally see a man have a breakdown. Um, and I'm not laughing at you, Matt. I'm laughing with you. It was mm -hmm. very, very entertaining. Um, but he was shocked and I was shocked. It was... Folks, This this ending was built up to be Chadwick Boseman's send-off. And Anthony Hopkins won. And, and one thing I saw on Twitter was, is like, there was no winners here, Amy. Anthony Hopkins didn't really win because everyone was like, we wanted Chadwick to win. Chadwick didn't really win because he didn't get his moment. And it was just, it was a very strange ending. What are your thoughts, firstly, on Sir Anthony winning, performance-wise? And secondly, your thoughts on him winning in light of everyone wanting Chadwick to win? What people need to realise, if you look back the past decade of Best Actor wins, they've mainly been really underwhelming. Mm. Like, regard whether it was going to be Chadwick, whether it's going to be Anthony, I'd even throw Riz Ahmed in there. Mm. Whichever of those three wins, they were going to be the best win of the past decade, without question. So, the quality is certainly there, and... Yeah, I was actually doing a live stream with my good mate Ryan McQuaid of um, In Session Film. We were just live streaming the entire our entire reactions to the Oscars. And he was slightly ahead of me and he just went, oh my god, oh my god, he actually did it, oh my god. I was like, let me guess, Anthony Hopkins actually won because we mm. were talking about, oh, they must know the result. They yeah. must have seen the result this year because it's covid and they must know if they're planning this, that it's going to be... I was like, oh, it's Viola and Anthony. They want to actually not end on Nolan Madland. They want to end on Ma Rainey. Because mm. they would have four Oscars. It'd be the biggest one of the night. And then we get that ending, and we're both just sat there like, what on earth did we just witness? I also found it weird, because it's usually like gender swap, so actor would do actress, and yes. actress would do actor. So the fact they had wacky do this award i was like you've made it already a little more awkward by switching it yes to switch it with wacky novel people who is not good at confrontation and we know this about him yeah yeah oh uh, and it's such a shame because that form that win is going to be tainted like we're talking moonlight la la land style but honestly like that was a mistake that was an honest mistake looking at the wrong envelope yes this was a purposeful decision yeah that tainted a winning performance yep. and also disrespected chadwick's widow who was in the audience ready to give an acceptance speech it was completely disrespectful yeah i could not agree with what you said more one was an honest mistake and one was a reckless, irresponsible, stupid gamble. 
that should mm-hmm. never have been done, should have remained in the same order, and you could have had the in memoriam followed by best actor, and you could have had Chadwick honoured in both. Um, mm-hmm. And and like I said, I want to reiterate, the fact that he didn't win an Oscar doesn't change who he was, it doesn't change his legacy, and also Sir Anthony gives probably a career best for me. Like, the father yep. um, was absolutely incredible. Um, and that, folks was that and i if you're listening in america it ended abruptly if you're listening in the uk it doesn't matter where you're listening the show sort of just ended um and then we had in the uk we had alex zane sort of twitching and being quite awkward um but it just ended and our show this show is about to end but before we do that i did just want to briefly ask you a couple of questions amy um the first one is favorite moment of this whole long award season. If you could pick one moment for the whole award season, what was it and why? Oh, I think it's got to be uh, Shung Yoon's speech at yeah. every award show because I'm assuming you saw her BAFTA speech where she was saying <laughs> like she she on she loves us because we're snobbish and we must be thinking highly of her. I loved yeah. her speeches. Yeah, it was throughout. great. So once we knew she was actually winning, that was... And also for Minari, it was a chance to reward this wonderful film and to see Alan S. Kim go... Oh, I've got another one. Alan S. S. Kim at the Critics' Choice winning Best Young Actor. Yeah. Broke my heart. I was literally just about to say my moment of the whole award season was Alan Kim winning that Critics' Choice. Mm. Just YouTube it, folks. Alan Kim, Critics' Choice. He literally breaks down in tears. Um, And I feel like breaking down in tears because people are already looking forward to the 2022 Oscars. Um, Going to be honest, I didn't give Amy much of a heads up about this and I haven't thought too much about it. But for our listeners, is there anything coming up in the next well, it's not even going to be 10 months that you think, yep, that's got a best picture chance. Is there any acting performances? Do you have any way too early Oscars 2022 predictions? Yeah, I've been basically putting this off because I was way too tired after that award show. I (laughs) was way too angry at the Academy. I was like, you know what? I've got a lot to get on with. Let's just leave it for a week or so. But anyone who's known me on Twitter knows that I am an advocate for Bradley Cooper getting an Oscar. He yep. should have had one in 2019 for A Star is Born. He was still robbed of that. Couldn't agree and more. I will, I, like my Twitter bio since I've had my Twitter up has been campaigning for Bradley Cooper's Oscar. This year, he has two performances that could go up. One for Paul Thomas Anderson's Soggy Bottom and one for Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Yeah. And there's one that he's directing as well. I think that'll probably be pushed till next year. If he does not win an Oscar this year, I'm just done. I'm just going to be emotional. <laughs> I'm going to be emotionally drained if by the end they give him a nomination for something and he doesn't even win. Like, Bradley Cooper is my Amy Adams and my mm. Glenn Close. I literally, we are singing off the same beautiful, gorgeous Bradley Cooper hymn sheet. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Bradley Cooper. Have been ever since The Hangover. Thought his performance in American Sniper was incredible. Um, I thought his performance in Silver Linings Playbook, like mm-hmm. one of my favourite films of all time. And it's then, my first favourite film of all time. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, Silver Linings Playbook for me, like. That's as close to perfection as a film can get. I adore mm-hmm. that film. And then to come out and do what he did in A Star Is Born um, and not be recognised by the Academy for it, um, to me... Over that was, Rami Malek. Over Rami Malek. Uh, to me, that was baffling and downright disrespectful. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of Best Picture, what kind of things do we have coming up well folks it wouldn't be a david long episode it wouldn't be an is it worth it episode without me telling you about the betting and i do have some betting for next year's best picture um it's a wide open market as you would expect but the favorite is west side story at 10 to 1 that amy's shaking her head do you not you not think that's no because you've firstly got the whole argument it's already one Mm. picture and then you've got Ansel Elgort which you've got a kind of tackle and if La La Land as a musical couldn't win I really don't see this one taking it I get why we're betting it but 
no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Couldn't agree more on the second in the betting. And this is the only book that I found on it. Um, I, I don't think this has got a chance. Eternals at 16 to 1. Um, no. No, don't agree with that. The French Dispatch, 16 to 1. Again, I don't think that's a best picture winner. Um, Nightmare Alley, 20 to 1. Um, you've then got Dune, 25 to 1. And this is this is the one that I'm I'm not going to bet on it, folks. Don't worry, I'm not going to go Judas and the Black Messiah on it. But House of Gucci at twenty five to one, I think, is an interesting play. I think that is going to be uh, an award season prominent front runner. I think it's got um, a great cast. Um, I believe it's directed by um, Ridley Scott, um, and I'm expecting great things from that. It's got Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Al Pacino. Um, you've then got In the Heights at 25 to 1. Um, and just for a laugh, they've put in No Time to Die at 100 to 1, which its its Oscar chances probably lie in Best Original Song, something along those lines. But there you have it, West Side Story, Eternals, The French Dispatch, Nightmare Alley, June, House of Gucci, In the Heights, No Time to Die. That's what the books are saying. You, dear listener, will have to listen to next season of Road to the Oscars to find out what... Um, is going to win the Oscar, what we think is going to win the Oscar, and all things Oscars. And that leaves me to say, thank you very much for joining us on Road to the Oscars, Episode 6, End of the Road. Amy, it has been a privilege having you on this episode of Road to the Oscars. Please remind our lovely... I put licenser in the script. <laughs> That's definitely <laughs> list- <laughs> off license. Our lovely listener, where they can find all your work and where you can be found on social media. Yep, so all my work can be found on filmforeffort.co.uk, both the website and the podcast, and my social media is at Films of Amy basically everywhere. Fantastic. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. You can also email the show at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email address again is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. Me and Craig really do love um, receiving all your emails. Um, I've got a little bit of a speech to say now, so I'll try and keep it brief. Amy, of course, it has been a pleasure. Uh, And as always, dear listener, thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me on this Oscars journey. And thank you to all the guests that made it possible. It started with our predictions episode featuring YouTuber and Oscars pundit Max Joseph. Max. I thank you and make sure you seek out his work on YouTube at the start of every month the first of every month Max puts up his Oscars predictions make sure you check those out Um, we then look to the acting categories in a two hour deep dive with actor podcaster brother Andy Long um do check out the Interval podcast. It's my brother's podcast. It's completely wacky, totally crazy comedy podcast worth checking out. Um, we then had a little study of the pot- potential director nominees with Andrew Morgan from the Nomcast. Do check out his work. Then also Mike from the fabulous Mike, Mike and Oscar podcast joined me for a nominations reaction special. Uh, and I mean this when I say it. If you love the Oscars, then you must, must, must check out Mike, Mike and Oscar all over Twitter, all over Instagram, Facebook, follow their podcast they're great, and next my best friend and co-host Craig Fields join me as we put our necks on the line with our Oscars prediction special, which I won by the way, Um, I should have won by a lot more considering how much I study the Oscars, but (laughs) Craig was I think one or two behind me so do check that out as well um And finally, today, Amy has joined me on this, The End of the Road. Honestly, I've had a blast, and not only do I want to bring back Road to the Oscars next season, I want to get more guests on, I want to do more deep dives, and ultimately talk more Oscars. Um, And all that leaves me to say is, Amy, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. She's been Amy Smith. He's been David Long. And this has been Road to the Oscars. End of the road. Right, cool.